Welcome to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups. You're listening to Theo Smith on the show for the people building HR and talent functions at Scale-Ups whilst moving at the speed of light. Hello, this is Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, the show where we share hacks from industry leaders that are building HR and talent functions at Europe's top scale-ups whilst in mid-flight. Today, we are joined by Steve Jacobs. Steve Jacobs leads recruitment at Voy Technology, who are shaping cities for people, reducing air and noise pollution and breaking traffic gridlock across Europe. They're also the first European scooter operator by choice, Born out of Stockholm, what an incredibly cool company. And Steve tells us about the way that they're dealing with the huge demand across recruitment and the types of technologies they're using, the the systems, the processes that they've implemented there uh, and working at hypergrowth speed. You're going to love this session. Steve Jacobs, what an incredible guy and a good friend. Uh, And it's a pleasure to have him on. Steve Jacobs! Awesome to have you on, mate. Introduce yourself to the world. Who are you? What do you do, mate? Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jacobs, as uh, as you just pointed out. Thank you so much for that introduction. So today I'm working for a company called Voy Technology. Very cool uh, e-scooter business. Uh, Swedish company. Uh, and I look after all of the recruitment for uh, market operations and commercial HQ. Uh, sounds uh, really kind of like boring, but I promise you it's not. <laughs> Steve, tell us a little bit about uh, the wider stuff you do as well, because, you know, I met you through the RR100. Yeah. Uh, but actually, you do a whole lot, mate. You're uh, very supportive of the communities um, that you work within. I know for a fact you uh, support individuals in terms of mentoring. Uh, and just generally, you're a very generous guy with your time, the little time you must have at the moment. But uh, tell us about <laughs> those other things as well, because I think they're of real interest. Yeah, I guess for me, you know, I've always kind of had this attitude where I always want to pay it forward and I want to try and help people who need the help and who are asking for the help. I think I, yeah, I just have this kind of firm belief that you give whatever you get back right and it's a good I think there's a good karma around that and actually growing up I didn't have a lot of people around actually to help me as much as uh, you know I help people today and uh, but I am a bit of a workaholic in fact I'm more than a bit I am a complete workaholic uh, but that's what I love right I'm not one of these people that can just kind of sit watch tv from six o'clock or have a cup of tea and sit down I get bored I fall asleep on the couch like my brain's got to be working all the time um so i'm 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 someone who's constantly learning all the time um i like getting involved doing lots of networking um speaking to cool startups speaking to founders ceos and just generally kind of understanding how their operations work how their business works what is you know what is <clears throat> what drives them whether that what their ambitions and 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 i kind of help small small startups and advise them on how to build and develop their talent strategies or um on a smaller scale people strategies as well um and then yeah as you mentioned you know we obviously met through the ro 100 fantastic um 
fantastic group of heavily experienced uh, senior resourcing leaders in the UK and, and probably some globally as well. Uh, so I've been lucky enough to draw on upon their experience uh, and been able to kind of, you know, take that and give that to others. And then I've uh, been part of DBR, which is which is a great um, in-house recruitment uh, network uh, with over 7,000 in-house recruiters globally. Um, and I've been pretty much since day one with them uh, and we've you know seen them grow and we have it's such a thriving lively community you know on a daily basis um, with incredible questions being asked and lots of sharing knowledge and it's just it's just one of those communities that you feel like everyone's got your back and you all feel like you're in the same boat you know or same sea whatever um, <clears throat> and um, yeah it's just a lot of great minds and and peers to 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 draw upon and you know i gotta say the dbr community is incredible um along with yara 100 it's just a sharing of ideas and information and just basically helping um, one another out because i think a lot of the organizations you know i mean we focus a lot here on um startups and scale-ups right because it makes sense to us it's kind of within our space um but actually a lot of startups and scale-ups often may have like one recruiter, recruitment manager, head of TA, whatever you want to call them, right? But it may just have one of them or two of them. So like historically, these people would be quite isolated, right? Without support um, and probably feel quite alone and have no ideas that they can bounce off other people. So that's exactly it. That's exactly why this 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 network, ex- you know, this community exists. Uh, it's for those, you know, who who generally are running the operations by themselves and they have no one else to bounce ideas from. So you've gone through that journey, mate, right? You've gone through working with different types of organisations of different size, scope. Um, how has that journey gone for you? What, you know, if you could um, tell people about moving from uh, a variety of different tech kind of startups, scale-ups, um, what, what has that experience been like for you? I've worked for a variety of different, as you say, different startups, different industries, um, I've even worked for big scale-ups and I've built a startup within a massive corporate at McDonald's. The, the, the trick is there is this kind of perception where, you know, recruiters will will go into the organisation and it's all about delivery, right? It's deliver, deliver, deliver. But when you're a hyper-growth business or a startup going moving into a scale-up, you have to partner with the business, right? You need to treat it as if it's your own business, and work as close as you possibly can with, you know, if it's the CEO or founder or, you know, senior stakeholder management, um, very much hand in hand um, so that you can go on that journey together, you know, and understand, you know, where what are they trying to get to? Where are they trying to get to over a time period? And how can you actually help them to do that? You know, sometimes you may not have the answer straight away. But the cool thing is in, in, in startups is, it's usually all around like A-B testing, yeah? Like you've got to try different ideas, be as creative as you want. Um, and if it doesn't work, then fine. But And if you fail, fail fast and then turn it around very quickly. Um, and so you're constantly learning. I, I've, I've been through so many different journeys where I've seen things that don't work. Um, and I'm glad they don't work because then I kind of learn from that and then turn it around. Um, I've also seen things that do work very, very well. And, and actually, if it's working very well, you don't need to change anything. But little few tweaks in here, you know, little few tweaks here and there can also uh, not be a bad thing. Um, 
but it's community, you know, communication is so important, right? Like you need to be able to communicate really well with your business, with your peers, with your managers, um, so that everyone is fully aligned, you know, 99% of the time. Um, again, growth startups, they change their strategies probably every couple of months. Um, so you need to be pretty much on your feet, uh, being able to align with them and, and move along with them. Uh, but also, you know, spot gaps, right? You need to have like a real kind of solutionist mindset all the time where you're constantly looking at the solutions and not focusing on the problems because that's where you need to kind of educate the business in their thinking as well. Because a lot of the time, again, if you're, you may be a first founder, first time founder, you can focus too much on the problem and not enough on the solution. And I suppose that gives, that actually empowers you quite a lot, right? Because you are going into an organisation where the founder, the owner, uh, whoever it may be, actually, um, there's a lot of trust there, right? And there's a lot of experience, expertise that you bring to the table that can hugely influence the direction of that organisation, which must be quite empowering, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you to get that full autonomy uh, and full, you know, full respect, you know, it's 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 fantastic. Um, but you never take it for granted either. Um, and but <laughs> um, but it's a marriage. Right. So, you know, you're, if you're a CPO or if you're head of talent um, or even if you're a recruitment manager in a very small business, you, you need to be married to those to those business uh, owners um, uh, or department heads. And you, as I said, you've got to treat it as if it's your own business and don't look at it as if you're just going into work and delivering and just doing a job every day. You're not going to get the best out of yourself and you're not going to get the best out of the company either. That's really funny. I wrote years ago, I wrote a, uh, a blog about why you should marry your boss. <laughs> <laughs> and it's aligned to what you were just saying, though, that it becomes that. It, it, and what it, comments did you get? What, I what, can't, what were I the comments that you got? Uh, where are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a look. I'm surprised people didn't like make stranger comments about it. Like, people were just like, maybe they're just like, it's Theo, right? We're going to, we expect Theo to say crazy things and do uh, crazy <laughs> things. So, like, it's what, it's what level of craziness, right? <laughs> Uh, but that's interesting. Good. So let's move on then to, I guess, Voy um, and, and think yeah. about an organisation, right? So there's, there'll be a lot of people who, uh, during COVID, there'll be a lot of people, obviously, who've been out of work and what have you. But we work with a lot of organisations that um, have actually seen incredible growth during COVID. For example, because they're online, right? Online food uh, companies, you know, delivering food to your door, like HelloFresh. Yeah, these dark kitchens and dark room businesses have absolutely flourished, uh, you know, through the pandemic. I mean, you know, there, there are, I think, you know, whilst the pandemic has not been kind to some uh, and it's been incredibly unfortunate, um, it has been a big opportunity for others to accelerate their businesses. So uh, exactly. And on that basis, you know, all I see and I see a lot of what you share about Voy. Um, yeah. is that they just seem to be um, doing exceptionally well, you know, like you mentioned, hyper growth. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, the pandemic has accelerated micromobility. Um, funnily enough, you know, the, the UK uh, trials were not actually meant to start until June this year. Um, but because of what happened, last year they were accelerated and the DFT took the decision to start the trials uh, last July. Um 
which um, I think was the right decision uh, because obviously people were uncomfortable getting onto trains and uh, getting onto buses um, and actually to an extent, you know, didn't want to get on bikes because there was no like sanitization around it. Um, where and, and so when I joined Voy in July last year, um, I was lucky enough to be part of the founding team in the UK. It was just three of us. Um, we hadn't actually won our first tender. And, and sorry, just if you're listening, you know, Voy, Voy Technology are an, uh, a micro-mobility leader, e-scooters uh, and e-bikes as well. Um, <clears throat> and it's a Swedish company. Uh, will be three years in, uh, in August. Um, so, yeah, getting back to the UK, we, you know, we won our first tender um, in Cambridge. And um, we, we didn't actually launch Cambridge until much later, but then like the next one came and then the next one came and the next one came. And then suddenly, you know, four months later, um, we, we, we've won 21 cities and we were over 200 staff um, just in the UK alone. You know, and that was, I'm not going to lie, it was intense, uh, as you would expect in a hypergrowth business, but it was fun because you were seeing the impact that you were having um, and you you really kind of felt very, very purpose mission driven um, and you knew that you were contributing towards a greater uh, a great um, a, a greater reason such as like net zero you know you were really contributing towards this net zero uh, program which um, mission sorry that the country wants to do um, but at the same time you were forming a, tra- a new type of transportation for users who, you know, needed to get to work or, you know, we did a massive actually thing with the NHS, you know, we, we gave free rides to the NHS. Um, then we expanded that and we gave free rides for anyone who wanted, who was getting a vaccine jab. So we did a lot of big campaigns around that to really kind of like push that out. And we, you know, it, it's not, <clears throat> believe it or not, it's not about making money. Um, that's not necessarily the uh, the be on end all. It's much more about creating a quality service for the customers and the users, um, and you know, so that so that they are getting you know the best out of it. To I suppose you know, um, again, my mind slips. This is what happens when you've got too much work on. Uh, but basically. To get to A to B, in you know a good in a in a good safe manner, um, but following the res- rules and restrictions, right? Because it's really you know there are a lot of rules about using uh, e-scooters. Um, one of them: do not go on the pavement. Um, and we we've we've put in heavily you know we put in heavy fines. We put in um, uh, a lot of safety measures uh, to make sure that people are using um, scooters, but they're trials. And I think the trials are great because it gives you the opportunity to constantly learn and get better all the time. And that is, that you know, let's remember it is a trial, uh, but we're, we've seen such a big difference in the last 10 months now um, that um, it's like night and day uh, from where we started. Uh, and the UK is, is very different to other markets uh, like Sweden or Norway where, you know, uh, and Germany as well, where it, it is a, <clears throat> it's a country which are, have been used to the e-scooters for a much longer period of time. Uh, so the UK is still quite new. Um, so yeah, but we've, we've, um, you know, now I'm looking after market operations on a, uh, across 11 countries, 
and also looking after all of our um, commercial HQ, so kind of public policy, growth, uh, marketing. Um, and it's exciting. I've seen the business grow from 400 to 675 people in the last, what, yeah, 10 months, uh, 10, 11 months. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know that's a lot of people and that's yeah. in a short space of time how are you managing that what i mean you i know you use team taylor for example uh yeah and tracking system um you've got other integrations that you utilize to automate some of those processes is is that like the solution is that the only way that you can keep your head above water what are the systems processes you put in place no i mean yeah gosh i mean you can't just rely on the on obviously the ATS and the, and the HRIS, but I think ultimately, if, as long as you have the right processes in place and you're all aligned on things like job descriptions and what testing should be taking place uh, across each roles, um, you know, agree to what you should outsource and what you should insource, um, build a very strong TA team, make sure you have uh, the right kind of TA playbook as well. There is. You know, again, this is a hyper growth business that, you know, I'm talking 675 people, full time employees. That doesn't include all of our temp workers. And we have hundreds of temp workers. Um, I actually uh, signed an agreement with um, a deco group uh, for like a global MSA, because what I like about what they can do is they can help me mobilize my plan every time we launch in a new city, which happens pretty much, you know, every couple of months. Um, so they're ready to go. They're in this. They're usually in the country, in the city, and um, we can call upon them uh, to do that. Are they helping you strategically with the plan? Are they helping you, uh, or is it just a case of right? We're going to. I need fifty people in that country. Uh, yeah, not, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. You know, they're, they're strategically helping me with the plan, but that's not why I've asked them to do. Um, so. We, you know, we are, we're very data-driven business, which is great because then we can, we know what we're working off. Um, we're also a very OKR-driven business, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, we have, <clears throat> I, I know that based on X amount fleet size, how much we're going to, you know, what kind of employees we're going to need um, and when we're going to need to hire them. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes if there's a delay in the city wanting to launch, but you, but actually, you know, it's just about maintaining the the people that you've actually hired, uh, and it's not always a bad thing having a delay because then it just gives you more time to train them as well, uh, which is which is and then nobody like be even like super ready to uh, to start the job. The one thing I would say that is, I'm, I'm sort of and honestly, I'm kind of struggling with today, is the platforms that we use in terms of our HR tech then it's not it's not a scale they're not scalable enough for us as a business and therefore it can be very challenging you know wanting to kind of scale quickly or like even from yeah like even from a reporting perspective uh you, it's very difficult to pull reports from what i what i would say for us from a contingency perspective is that you know we don't have a solid platform right now uh, to manage our contingency workforce, but I'm looking into it uh, because I didn't expect us to grow that quickly. And, you know, we've got a two-year strategy ahead of us where I'm looking at this strategy thinking, damn, like, 
we got to get some tech in here uh, to manage this. Um, and we'll probably need some more people as well to, to help. So I think resource is definitely something which we need to scale up as well. Uh, but that's the excitement bit. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen next. Is it, it, I think if the, the way to imagine how we run is if you've ever worked in a management consultancy before, um, it's a little like chicken and egg, right? You win a project and then you go, go, go. And that's exactly how it works with uh, with Roy. You know, we win. We're always ready um, and we can get ahead of the curve, but you win a tender or a license in a city and it's go. Yeah. And I suppose like any big project, isn't it? Whether it's, you know, um, Olympics or something like that, where all of a sudden you need all these people. It's not quite to that scale. But I imagine, you know, when you win, uh, when you talk about the amount of, uh, cities that you want in the UK in that short space of time that is fairly significant mm. and there's obviously the level of complexity around it in terms of um they're segmented yeah and it's because <clears throat> it's not just a case of um just winning the city you have to have like solid solid foundational relationships with all of the city councils and we've got we you know we have some brilliant relationships that our operations team and our customer our city success team um and, and you know and our growth and, and partnerships team as well have solidified uh, with, um, you know, people like Andy Street in Birmingham, you know, like he's a great supporter of us. And it also, what I really love about this business is the opportunities it can create from a partnership perspective. So we started working with companies like, um, or charity or organizations like Key for Life uh, and A Fairer Chance. And they, they support, um, well, so Key for Life is an example. Uh, they support young black men who have been ex-offenders that maybe come out of prison recently and they really try and help them to get back into work. So we're working with them and we do like work days and workshops with them. Um, we did one in Bristol, Bristol recently and we're going to do another one uh, to try and create opportunities for them. Um, and it's just being able to do that, it, it just gives you a real kind of sense of achievement and real a strong feeling of um, doing the right thing. You know, uh, and a fairer chance, they um, they actually work with um, women who've been in prison uh, and also trying to help them uh, get back into work. So, again, the, this type of industry can really create opportunities um, for, for, for anyone uh, to get into work. Brilliant. And uh, how are you finding uh, doing this, uh, I guess, during COVID, um, you know, the remote uh, element of this uh, I, I imagine as an organization probably you're I, I don't know you you find it easier by nature of what you do or, or does it become more difficult um, I mean you're not based in Sweden are you no I'm not but we it, it, it's we have such an inclusive business where everyone is very community like we communicate on a daily basis so well uh, I mean, we, we use email, we use Slack, you know, we jump on calls, we've got lots of, you know, kind of group meetings always going. And it was a bit weird to begin with, truly, um, because I didn't know anyone in the business. But very quickly, everyone was so inviting. Frederick, our CEO, was incredibly inviting. Hans, uh, one of my main stakeholders, like he was really super great and uh, been a very, very supportive, uh, you know, even though he's been in Sweden and Denmark. Um, and then my boss, Camilla, she's, you know, she's been awesome as well, um, being based in Sweden. And, you know, we, ha we have, it's like we probably have about 15, 20 conversations every day. Um, but, uh, and that was when I was on my own, you know, now I have a team, um, 
and I keep in regular contact with my team. Um, it's weird because when I started, I said like we were three people and I haven't actually met everyone else in the business in the UK that I've actually hired. Uh, we're having our summit on the 10th of June. So I'm hoping, you know, somewhere, um, I think you can only have up to 30 people outside. So we're hoping to meet in a park somewhere and it's, I'm just looking forward to meeting some other people. Um, but it hasn't been too bad. I think mentally, for me, I'm a very sociable person. So staring at the computer or my five walls or four walls, every five walls, I don't know why I said five walls. Um, <laughs> Thought you see, this is me going mad. Looking uh, at the ceiling. He's yeah, the ceiling. ceiling. Um, yeah, it's been it's been crap. I mean, let's face it, it's been absolutely crap. Nobody wants to do that. That's not how we've been work. That's not how it's, our working life has been. Um, but I've had to adapt, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm fortunate that I I'm I have a garden, so I can sit outside in the garden sometimes. Um, but I think again, like I said, the the way that we like the way that our culture is is a very humble culture, and and it's everyone you really do feel like everyone has your, each other's back, um, and that's really nice. So it's it's you you don't always feel alone, basically. And what do you think now coming out of this? Um, what what's going to be the focus for you and the team? I know you've mentioned you know potentially looking at growing the team as the organization grows, which makes complete. Mm-hmm natural sense um, and maybe looking at the tech stack and how you further enhance and develop that um, so that it helps streamline the processes for you and take some of the weight I guess off off the team um, so that they can focus on I guess more strategic aspects of the role or more I right. more enjoyable aspects of the role. yeah 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 <laughs> um, uh, they're not having to do board and admin uh, but that might just be me <laughs> Um, what what do you I mean because clearly the Roy is not going to stop growing yeah, we are still growing, but, you know, we have a clear focus and that focus is to deliver on the two year strategy, um, which I can't tell you about. <laughs> but um, that that is that is essentially it. So over the next you know six months, I'm going to be preparing for 2023. That that means understanding what our workforce planning is going to look like, um, cost perspective, there's loads of stuff that goes into it, but essentially we we need to deliver the two-year strategy and that's what was going to be our main focus um i'm i'm very much like i don't want my team to do what i did actually which is work very long hours and burn out and then don't take a break and then continue after that it's like i reached burnout i knew i'd reached it but i carried on anyway um and i kind of like broke through that barrier um, and I don't want my team to do that. Like, so I'm very kind of, I'm like a, I'm like a teacher with my, with my, uh, <laughs> with my team. And I like say, right, Monday to Friday, sorry, Monday to Thursday, that's when, you know, kind of core work. Friday is catch up, admin day. Don't be doing any calls or interviews or anything like that. Like you need time to, to catch up on yourself in, in this kind of environment. Um, and, I, and I actually tell them off a lot if I see them working or if I see them online at night. Um, <laughs> like a spy, um, uh, you got to right. Like I, I, they shouldn't be doing that. I care about my team. I, I want I want my team efficient, and I want my team in having a like feeling fun and uh, sorry, not feeling fun, but feeling good about it. So what's the what's the future look like for you, Steve? What's going on? What are just uh, outside? Uh, 
Roy and everything else. Am I going to see you at Wreckfest? Yeah, I'm looking forward to going to Wreckfest and seeing bodies, like basically just drinking and eating with, you know, people I haven't seen in through just so many years. I mean, it's it's weird. I feel like I've, like I've been in a cave for so long. Lucky I don't have to have a haircut because I haven't got any hair. But, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, mate, I'm really looking forward to that. What about you? Are you up for it? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, for anybody... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be carnage. Let's face it. It's going to be carnage. You and I are probably going to have a little roll around the, the beach, on the grass, you know. We'll be getting absolutely drunk. That's fine. <laughs> I booked a little like lean to on some of these house, I think. <laughs> oh, did house. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yes, that or sleeping on the beach probably would have been uh, the options depending on the weather. But yeah, looking forward to it, mate. I'm looking forward to more of this um, with yeah. incredible people like you, mate. So uh, I, I hope. And hugs. Yeah. I I'm miss a, hugs. I'm a big hugger. I'm a big hugger. I like human contact. <laughs> It's going to be interesting. It will be very interesting to see whether or not people are going to be like penguins, where they're like tapping each other's arms, or if they're actually going to give each other a hug. <laughs> it could be loads of awkward moments where somebody goes to give somebody a hug, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." Awkward moment. Uh, so I look forward to those awkward moments. <laughs> <laughs> but Steve, Brilliant. listen, um, just uh, really wanted to get you on here, mate, because I think you're incredible, very sportive, brother. Cheers, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Just, uh, yeah, I couldn't not have you on it, mate. You do so much um, across all those different communities. Um, and I love, absolutely love watching the the wide variety of content you're sharing about the journey of Roy, because it is it is great to watch, especially with everything that's going on, um, to see positive messages when we think around climate change, for example. Um, we need exactly. to kind of think, okay, what does the future look like? What thing can we grab hold of? And I think a world with less cars in our city centres, with roads closed down. There's so many places where I think they should just shut roads down or, or half the road, yeah. for the, more pedestrian, more opportunities for bike lanes or scooter lanes. You know, um, it's got to be the future. You know, other countries in Europe have done a much better job uh, of this already. Um, we, we, we've been uh, slow, shall we say. Yeah, we've been very slowly. I mean, you, you go to some other countries and it's incredible what they've achieved. So anyway, the, the, the model is there, right? The model is there. The right type of country has, has created Voy as a technology. So uh, we know it's safe in their hands <laughs> to, to uh, lead our cities uh, in the right direction. So brilliant, mate. So. the good work. Cheers, brother. Appreciate you. Peace out. See you soon. Cheers, man. Take care. This episode was brought to you by Zinc, who offer automated reference and background checking tools directly in your ATS. If you enjoyed this episode, please do like, subscribe, leave a comment or share to support the show. Thank you.